Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Sean. Welcome to Mayflower Church. It is lovely to see each and every one of you here. Lovely to see your faces on this Sunday morning. And for those who are joining us virtually, uh, couldn't be with us in person, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're a guest this morning, um, there is a friendship register. I'll ask everyone now if you could pass that. And if you're not a guest, but you're a regular and maybe you have a new address or a new phone number, some information to update, please fill that out as well. But if you're a guest in particular, we'd love to find a way to, uh, we'd love to have your name and get a way to hold, excuse me, a way to get a hold of you uh, to welcome you here. I'd like you now and invite you to greet one another with a traditional exchange of peace. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us share God's peace with one another. Well, good morning, everybody. Prayer requests will be collected during the offering this morning, and those prayer cards can be found in the pews in front of you. We are collecting coats for children and adults to give to In the Image. Their mission is providing hope, dignity, and respect through the best shopping experience money does not have to buy. Their vision is everyone in need of clothing and household necessities shops for free in a welcoming environment. There is a box, I believe, um, by the doors on the side of the building. November 6th will be our fall bake sale. Everyone is encouraged to donate delicious baked goods that will be sold following the Sunday service. All proceeds collected will go towards furnishing the items for the new parlor kitchen. Additionally, the Strategic Planning Committee is seeking input to articulate goals for the church and develop a plan to achieve these goals. They have organized two methods for obtaining information from Mayflower's members and friends. The first is a survey which will be sent to all Mayflower members with an email address, as well as hard copies which will be available in the church office. The survey will arrive in your inbox during the week of October 23rd. The second way will be within meetings following worship to have an open dialogue with Pastor Sean and committee members regarding Mayflower's future. These meetings will be held after church at 11.45 a.m. on October 30th, November 6th, and before church at 9 a.m. on November 13th. Please plan to attend one of these meetings if you would like to provide input. I'd now like to invite our Director of Music, Dr. Julia Brown, to share about today's music. 
first, an announcement about our next Mondays at Mayflower concert, which is tomorrow. It's called French Fest and is a collaboration with Grand Valley's Piano Chamber Series. If you were here last year for Brahms Fest, you know what an amazing concert it was. Just beautiful music played at the highest level. Uh, we're doing something different this time with uh, a 6.15 pre-concert talk and then the music starting at 7 p.m. So I look forward to seeing you all in the atrium tomorrow for that event. And today's um, offertory anthem, Jesus Christ the Apple Tree, is a much-loved carol that often we hear during Advent or Christmas, um, but it seemed to fit today's scripture reading um, the tree being uh, what takes us into sin and also the same tree that takes us out of sin. Um, Elizabeth Poston uh, is the only thing I know she wrote. Uh, she didn't write much. She didn't compose much, but this is the only uh, piece of music that I know she composed. Um, and the poetry is actually, she's British, I think, but the poetry is from New England. Lift up your hearts in thanksgiving to the Lord. Full of majesty and splendor. His words are truth and justice. His instruction is wisdom and life. We will hear and obey the Lord. By his grace, God gathers us together.
Please pray with me. Oh God, all good things come from you. We ask you to inspire us through your Holy Spirit to think what is right, and that by your merciful guiding, we may do what is right. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We are gathered this morning to worship and praise God, but we also remember our own faults and failures. So I now invite you to enter into God's gracious presence for a time of confession and repentance. We'll start with a moment of confession for individual sin, and then we'll speak a confession together. So let us now bring our sins before the Lord. And as found in your bulletin, let us confess together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. The love of God, you can be seated, sorry. (laughs) The love of God, the peace of God, and the care of God goes from everlasting to everlasting. Sisters and brothers, we are a forgiven people. So be at peace. Amen.
Thank you. Uh, kids, you can come on up. And I'd like to invite all of our children who are still in the pews here, come on up uh, for our children's message. You might notice that Rachel is not here, and I'm a poor substitute, I'm sorry. In fact, I'm such a poor substitute, we've asked Corbin to lead the children's time. And I'll have him have to take that right there. And I'll grab your gear. He is going camping. All right. Good morning. Has anyone seen one of these before? Well, this is a tump line, this leather strap. And it's a leather leather strap that you can put on your head in order to carry heavy objects up to around 60% of your body weight. This past summer, I had an adventure in the northwest parts of Ontario, over 600 miles from here. I was at a camp called Kiwaden for six weeks, and at this camp, I traveled with a group of 10 boys by canoe from place to place. We would camp in a new location every night and only saw about six other people all summer. We brought all our food, supplies, and clothes for the entire trip with us. And the way we carried all this stuff was by using a tump line to help with the heavy weights. As we paddled from lake to lake, we would have to cross over land and portage, which is where you carry all your stuff and walk to the next body of water. With this piece of leather right here, I was able to carry a 120-pound, 16-foot wood canvas canoe for over a mile. Throughout the summer, I faced many difficulties. Our group struggled on trails that had not been used in over 40 years, and many days we had no rest. However, over time, my strength improved, and the tump allowed me to carry more and more weight. This tump line reminds me of God. It helps you carry weight and supports you on your journey. Just like my tump line was there to help me carry everything I needed to survive in the wilderness, God is always there to help you with whatever challenges you may face. His guidance will allow you to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Will you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for the wonderful, bountiful, and beautiful outdoors and giving us experiences and adventures in our lives. Thank you for giving us guidance and allowing us to bear weight and giving us protection against any challenges we may face. Amen. At this time, I'd like to dismiss the choir first. If you are in fifth grade, you may leave with Mrs. Houlihan. If you are in first grade, second grade, third grade, or fourth grade, you may leave with Mrs. Weiner. And then the rest of you can leave with me. Good morning. The reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 29 and can be found beginning on page 685 in your Pew Bible. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. 
but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as their teachers of the law. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You might find it helpful to keep your finger in your Bible and to follow along. That text was on page 685 again. And if it helps you, there's an outline in your, ser- in your um, bulletin of the sermon. Some folks find that helpful as well. I'm writing that's available. Aaron Judge plays center field for the New York Yankees. He's led the majors this year, 62 home runs. In the regular season, he has pretty much the best batting stats of anyone in baseball. He's got his team pretty deep into the playoffs this year. Aretha Franklin is the undisputed queen of soul. She's ranked at the very top of Rolling Stone magazine's list of the greatest singers of all time. She was the first female inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Jackie Chan is a Hong Kong actor filmmaker, martial artist, and stuntman. He might be the most recognized movie star in the entire world. He's appeared in over 150 films. Now, if we were to ask people, do you admire Aaron Judge? Do you admire Aretha Franklin? Do you admire Jackie Chan? Many people would say yes. Now, somewhere out there in the world... Someone's been following Aaron Judge all season, and he's gone beyond admiration. He's watched him in the playoffs, filled with excitement, and he thinks to himself, 
what Aaron Judge is doing, I, I can do that. So he starts going to batting cages every day, after school, working on his swing. He wants to play like Aaron Judge, and one day he just might. And somewhere out there, a young girl just heard Aretha Franklin belt out, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. And she says to herself, I've been blown away by this voice. I'm going to learn to sing like that. So she studies the history of R&B music. She memorizes every song that Aretha ever sang. She takes vocal lessons. She's going to sing like Aretha one day. And out there, just last night, I'm sure someone saw their very first Jackie Chan film. They watched the stunts over and over, just amazed at this guy's speed and precision in his martial artistry. And this, this person has arranged with his parents on Monday morning to sign up at the local martial artist shop, dojo, whatever, right, to start taking classes because he wants to move like Jackie Chan. Now, I got to tell you, none of those are me, right? I applaud Aaron Judge's 62 home runs, but I am not going to change my life to go try out for the West Michigan Whitecaps. Just not happening. And I love Aretha's music, but I'm not going to start playing gigs so that I can become a soul singer. I love Jackie Chan's films, but I'm not getting my black belt anytime soon. I'm an admirer, not a follower. And there's a big difference. An admirer is impressed. But a follower surrenders her life. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus asks us, Will you follow me? The scripture passage we have for today, we just heard it read, is the ending of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Now, in this time, he had been mainly teaching to his disciples, but he was also aware that the crowd was listening in, as, as, listening in too. So as, as we heard at the very end, The crowds were amazed at his teaching. He taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. They were amazed. They admired him. But only some of them in the crowd joined the disciples in following Jesus. Now, as Jesus concludes his Sermon on the Mount, he offers some pretty strong warnings. I mean, the stakes are are high. How we respond to Jesus matters. And it matters eternally. I used to live in Phoenix. My family and I did a lot of hiking. And North Park Mountain is actually this mountain park right in the center of the city of Phoenix. It's got a good-sized mountain on it. And when you get to the parking lot, you have two choices. There's one path that's paved, it's solid, you know, pavement, it's about eight feet wide, it's smooth, it's level, it's comfortable. Lots of people take this path. But then there's another choice. It starts with a trailhead that's actually almost impossible to find. It's really tucked away behind a couple of brushes and a boulder. you got to know where to look. But when you find this other trail... It ends up being this narrow hike 
leads you through these big patches of cactuses. You have to go around these spiky cactuses. It leads you up and down ridges, over some boulders, some rough terrain. You even have to scramble a little bit to get up to the top of the trail. At North Park Mountain in Phoenix, hikers have two choices. And over and over again in Scripture, God presents us with two options. Follow and obey him so that we'll thrive or take the way that leads to ruin. And Jesus presents two options that we heard in our passage for today. Follow him into the kingdom of God or follow the path that leads to death and destruction. So let's look at each of these sections that Jesus talks about. And we'll start with verses 13 and 14. Because he uses the metaphor of gates and roads. And he gives two options. One is this big gate. And you go through this gate and it's a smooth, broad road. Lots of clearance. It's wide. It's easy. It's comfortable. It's popular. But it really does not end well. Because that road takes you in the opposite direction of the kingdom of God. Well, the other option starts with a very narrow gate. And once you go through that gate, you're on a very tricky path. It's the path of discipleship. It's pretty demanding. It's not very popular. Jesus warns us that it will bring us persecution. It'll be hard. But this is the right road because it leads to life. So Jesus says, you have to pick a gate, commit to it, and walk down that road. You can go with the flow of the world through the big gates, you know, to hate your enemies, to use force to dominate others to get your will, to worry, to cling tightly to your wealth to save you. Everything that he'd been talking about through this whole Sermon on the Mount. And then the other option, the narrow gate, is Jesus himself. To come to him in faith and then to walk the path of discipleship that he has blazed for us. You know, we've heard about this the last several weeks. That path where we love our enemies. Where we are peacemakers. Where we let go of our wealth through generosity. Where we are not consumed by worry. All of the things we've heard. There isn't a more important decision that we could make in life. Well, moving on to the next section in verses 15 through 23, Jesus basically talks about two types of deceit. So let me explain this here. First, he talks about leaders who deceive the people of God. These wolves in sheep's clothing who enter into the community of people who follow Jesus. Now, these false prophets, these false leaders, they tell a lie. And it basically starts with the phrase, God told me that you should this, that, or the next thing. God didn't say that. Now, these people are dangerous to claim the name of God when God has not spoken. They come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly, they are ferocious wolves, Jesus warns. So what should we do? 
Jesus tells us to be fruit inspectors. Not literally, of course, but he tells us pretty plainly. You can discern them by their fruit, that is, by the product of their lives. What a person does and says reveals who they are. You can't fake this. As we heard Jesus use the metaphor, thorn bushes don't go grapes. Thistles don't grow figs. Now, we all understand this basic fact of botany. Good trees produce good fruit. Rotten trees produce rotten fruit. So that's how you can be a fruit inspector. That's how you can figure out who you should listen to. Does the leader walk the walk of what Jesus taught us? Interestingly, verses 15 through 20 are probably more for people like me, religious leaders, pastors. It's a call for pastors to make sure that we're following Jesus ourselves, not just merely doing the job of a pastor. Because here's the thing. Christian leaders must first of all be followers, followers of Jesus. Well, the second type of deceit that Jesus talks about is self-deceit. Those who deceive themselves. This is a pretty harsh warning that there might be false disciples. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. He's talking about people who trick themselves into thinking that they belong to the kingdom because they've done some great stuff. Maybe they've performed a miracle or two, cast out some demons. Amazing. But Jesus doesn't know them. They have no relationship with him. They do evil. They don't do what Jesus taught. And things end pretty badly for these fake disciples because the Lord knows our hearts. Jesus calls them out, and in the end, Jesus sorts them out. Now, these words can be troubling for us, because maybe you might ask yourself, wait, wait, hold on, am I a false disciple? And here I want to offer an encouragement. It's the fruit that characterizes your life. Even though you may be far from perfect in your discipleship, even though you may have much room for growth, as I do, in following Jesus, what characterizes your life? Because I think most Christians have more fruit than they realize. There's also a warning. Kingdom people are marked by doing God's will. And if if doing God's will does not characterize someone's life at all, then they really need to listen to Jesus' message here. This is of the utmost importance. Have faith. Follow him. Start today. Well, in the final section in verses 24 through 27, Jesus is concluding the whole Sermon on the Mount, and he gives a challenge to us. To be doers, not just hearers. He begins, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, 
And he goes on to use this imagery of house builders. You know, he was a carpenter. This is something he's very familiar with. Like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Like a foolish man who built his house on sand. We understand this. We understand how foundations work. Near the Sea of Galilee, there was uh, these dirt sand areas that would harden over the summer, and they'd feel pretty hard. But it would only be solid on the surface. It might seem stable, but if you built a house on that, when when the weather comes, it's over. So a wise builder would dig down through that hardened surface of sand. It might even take several feet till you hit bedrock. Build your house on that, and your home can withstand anything. We've spent seven weeks hearing Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. And here in the end, he gives us two responses. The wise person who hears his words and puts them into practice. And the fool who hears his words but does not do what Jesus has taught. So those are the options. Will you choose to build your life on Jesus and his teachings? Because that foundation will give you security. It'll meet your deepest need. Or will you build on sinking sand? The crowd had been listening to Jesus teach his disciples. And throughout the sermon, Jesus had even invited them to enter the kingdom of God. But this crowd was full of admirers. They found him impressive. They found him amazing. But Jesus is not interested in admirers. He wants them to have faith in him, to follow him as a disciple. Basically, he stands before them on the Sermon on the Mount and says, Here I am. Here is my kingdom. Here is the way of discipleship. Will you follow me? And today, 2,000 years later, he stands before us and says the same thing. Jesus asks each one of us, Will you follow me? Now, as we hear and receive the Sermon on the Mount, if you are already a disciple of Jesus, he invites you to press on, press deeper in your discipleship. Take it seriously. Follow him and persevere even though it's demanding because that path leads to life. If you're one of the crowd, if you're someone who's an admirer but maybe not yet a disciple. There's another invitation. Come to the Lord. Enter into a faith relationship with him. Start following him today. Don't wait. This is the most important decision you will ever make. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor and a theologian during World War II. He resisted the Nazis because of his discipleship to Jesus, and eventually it got him killed. He was executed for it. Now, he has this 
by the way, I should have plugged this weeks ago. He has this book called The Cost of Discipleship on the Sermon on the Mount. If you're looking for a good read, you can't go wrong there. And in this book, The Cost of Discipleship, he writes, As long as I recognize this road as the one I am commanded to walk and try to walk it in fear of myself, it is truly impossible. But if I see Jesus Christ walking ahead of me, step by step, if I only look at him and follow him step by step, then I will be protected on this path. Brothers and sisters, let us take up this path of discipleship. And I am so happy to be doing it together with you in this community. Amen.
In your bulletin, you'll find the text for the Apostles' Creed, this ancient summary of the great truths of our Christian faith. Let's speak this together now. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Quite a long time uh, since I've had the pleasure of being in this lectern, a moderator in 1992, and uh, I'm here today with uh, joy in my heart, a little spring in my step, uh, because I'm, uh, I get to talk a little bit about stewardship. Sean's a little concerned that we may lengthen the service and people uh, may, may want to uh, leave before it's actually finished, but I'm not really going to take that much time. Um, I will tell you that I'm missing uh, something that I uh, thought was, there we go, was pretty critical. I want to tell you a little story that goes back to 1970. Uh, 1970, we were expecting our our first child, ended up being a daughter. Obviously, she's uh, She's wonderful to us, and we had we had two. We were uh, visiting with uh, Dr. Masselink. He wanted to come and uh, spend some time at our home and talk to us about membership here because we thought we should raise our family uh, in a in a Christian way so that they might grow up to be young men and women of faith. And a couple things happened in that visit. Uh, one, uh, if Carl Verbeek's here, he probably, uh, being a kindred uh, RCA, Reformed Church of America guy, can probably relate to. Uh, we were pretty familiar with what was called house visitation in those days. My dad was petrified because a deacon and the minister would come to the house and would talk about our faith and how we were raising, how the children were being raised. And uh, at the end, of course, there was always... Um, a minute where uh, my dad would get tense and they'd want to talk about money and give him an idea about how much uh, how much he ought to give. Well, in my mind, uh, this little meeting with uh, Dr. Maslink was going to going to get there, and I almost brought a prop today because we have the 
rocking chair that he sat in was one of our first pieces of furniture, and I was going to stick it up here as a, as a prop because he was a, he was a gentlemanly soul. And uh, I asked, Dr. Maslink, would you like something to drink? And Reverend Maslink said, um, Dale, I believe I'd like a scotch. Um, I was uh, more than a little taken back. We, we continued to talk about raising a family, and we did eventually get the money. And we were invited to attend this church by David Gray, who was the associate pastor at the time. And this church, then like today, was filled with people of success. And Ellen and I were getting just getting started. We were 23 years old. And we did not see ourselves as being successful. And I, talk, I asked Dr. Maslink, well, what about giving? This place is enormous. It was not paid for. Uh, it was beautiful. It was the house on the hill. It was where successful people went. I was intimidated beyond compare. He sat there in his gentlemanly way, and he said, Dale, there are successful people in that church, and they have the capacity and the willingness to carry the burden for you as a young member. Someday, when you are successful, it will be your turn to shoulder that burden. Two messages. Uh, in in that uh, short encounter with Dr. Maslink. One is, if you're a young family getting started, do not be intimidated by this place. There are people that have been successful and are willing to carry the burden financially. And we believe that you too will be successful and it will be your turn and your time and you will step forward. Having said that, I want to also let you know that we're not going to talk much about the budget. I'm going to talk a little bit about it right now, and then we're going to put it away. And we're going to raise what money we can uh, through the process of individually talking with, with people and trying to use the stewardship program as part of the faith journey. Uh, you all know probably that it takes somewhat in excess of a million dollars to run this place. The church has no debt. We do have slightly less. We did have slightly more, but like the rest of us, now we have slightly less than $3 million in an endowment. What you may not know is that that endowment just didn't just magically appear. There were people that actually gave money to the church when they passed away. Um, I'm going to give you their names because I think annually we should remember them. And there are others that are committed to do the same in their names on a plaque in the narthex of the church. Uh, people on this list, it's not a real long list, but you would know them. Uh, Dwight and Jackie Sawyer. Jackie died a couple of years ago just. Helen Bunker. Don't we love and remember Helen? Bud and Fran Mulnix. Bud and Fran gave the property that this church is built on. That's uh, Greg Conway's uh, grandma and grandpa. Eleanor Wanroy, John English, Kay Collins, Phil Hookstra, Marge Newbig. Marge came a little later in life but was loved this place and was here until she passed away. 
and Tom and Judy Everett. Those are the folks that that created that endowment, that deposited money. So that accounts for the first $140,000 that really goes to supporting this church. Um, your stewardship committee this year, which I was uh, a kind of stiff arm being chair of this committee. I've been chair of it a long time ago, but the orientation was to raise enough money to cover the budget. You have heard in the last three months uh, significant preachings from uh, Reverend Sean last week by Reverend Lemon. Almost every message that we are hearing has an element of stewardship embedded in it. And we all know why. We, we know that, you know, the parable of the well, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle and a rich man to get in the gates of heaven. We're married to our money. We spend more time looking at our at our financial statement, our our brokerage report, and our checkbook balance than we do studying the Word. And, and we're trying desperately through this stewardship program to wean us from that and to bring us closer to the foot of the cross so that we might be more sure of our own salvation. Members of the Stewardship Committee this year, uh, John Schneider, John is, a trust, John is the treasurer of our church. Uh, he's very excited to serve in that capacity and on this committee. Um, Carl Verbeek, John Vermeulen, Barb Homan, Andy Cooley, Lon Barr, David Blair, Ken Goodson, Joanne Buchanan, and Betsy Spade. If any of you would be excited to be on this committee, to be excited about engaging yourself and others to take this faith journey, we would welcome more participation. We're going to have a little meeting about quarter to uh, 12 in, in the conference room, and we'd love to have you attend. Lastly, I just would ask that you pray for all of us. Pray for, for me as your stewardship chair. Uh, pray for the people that are on the committee. Pray for yourself as you enter this time to look to, at your family, at your financial resources, at the gifts that you've been given and the success that we have all enjoyed. And use this as a time of spiritual awakening. If we raise a million and a half or two million dollars, only takes a million or a million one, we need another minister around here before we burn this young fellow out. We will do what God commanded us to do. We will feed his sheep. It won't be squandered. It will be used in a productive way to do what God has commanded us to do. Thank you so much for your attention. Now the ushers will wait on us for uh, the offering and, the, and to pick up the cards.
We stand today at the foot of an empty cross, empty because the Lord has risen. Amen. He has risen indeed. Please accept these gifts as tokens of our appreciation for the salvation that you have given to us through our faith in you. Amen. Let us now go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you have filled the world with beauty, and the splendor of your creation touches the turning of the autumn leaves, the crisp morning, and the bounty of the fall harvest. Open our eyes to see your gracious hand in all your work. Tune our hearts to sing along with all creation as we rejoice in your beauty and goodness. Almighty God, By your word, you laid the foundation of the earth and set the bounds of the sea and still the wind and the waves. Surround the people of Florida with your grace and comfort as they recover from Ian. By your spirit, lift up those who have been devastated and strengthen those who work to rescue and rebuild and fill us with hope with your new creation. O God of infinite mercy, We humbly ask you to hear our cries for the people of Ukraine as they suffer destruction and death from an unjust war of aggression being waged against them. Transform the hearts, the minds, all the people who perpetuate violence and oppression. Pour out your mercy upon those who are in danger. Give wisdom to the leaders of the world as they seek to end this war And we ask in accordance with your gracious and for justice and sustained peace in Ukraine. Lord, we pray for this church as we move into the next stage of this pandemic. We thank you for graciously sustaining this church throughout COVID. We ask for your continued wisdom as the Mayflower rebounds and results and rebuilds. And this morning, we'd like to pray for Karen King. She had successful surgery for cancer on Friday continue to pray for her. And now let us all pray the Lord's Prayer found in your bulletin. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
If anyone else said to me what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, I would, shall we say, have more than a little skepticism. But it, because it is Jesus who calls us to this path of discipleship, and because it is his path that he walks with us, united with him, I'm encouraged, I'm hopeful, I'm excited, and I hope you are too. Now I invite you to sing the first half of the benediction has been our practice in the last week now, and uh, the second half will be my blessing to you. God has called you this week. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. We go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God.